You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 234 of the Black Eagles podcast. And of course, I am your host, Sinan Swarden, coming in live, that's right, coming in live from New York City, where the weather remains just absolutely stunning, perfect, not too hot, as it typically would be in the summer, and as one might expect with this world in the state that it's in, but just a perfect summer. And as always, that translates perfectly to our dear club, Besiktas, who continue to aid me in this quest to link the weather of New York City to the condition of our club. Somehow, every every episode, it just works out. And here we are again. Uh, it really is the perfect summer. They promised us our transfers would be here before our training camp. Training camp has arrived. The club has arrived in Austria. They're starting this week over there. A, uh, a nice place, perhaps, to start your training. But what's significant is that just... In the nick of time, we have an absolute ton of news. And as always, you are in the right place to receive it. So let's get going. Operation is in effect as of right now. Well, that's right. So first of all, where do I mean, first of all, where do I begin? So I guess let's, let's, let's set up, let's set the scene, if you will. Um, as we've been talking about all summer long, the most significant moves that we need to be making right now are up front, right? We got Jenk Tosin, who is the one striker we had in the roster going into the, you know, our first friendly. And it's worth noting again, I mentioned this in the last episode, but Besiktas' first friendly is this coming Saturday, July 9th four days from now against Werder Bremen and so you know I mean it's not like the end of the world but yeah you really want to see our club with their guys in place uh, getting every opportunity to to get used to playing together in in these matches upcoming so in that sense it was I think we could say of utmost importance that these moves did get made and obviously ideally you know as the guys start training in Austria together, right? It's sort of a bonding experience to be traveling and in a new place um, as a group, right? Probably in some cases away from family and whatnot. So, yeah, we needed, as I said, a striker. We needed a left wing, 
the news that I guess the here's where we can start. The the big news coming into this week was that Alex Teixeira agreed to leave. No fee, nothing. You know, clean, washing his hands of the club and vice versa. Um, very classy, if we're going to be 100% honest, right? Like, he could have made a stink and said he wants to play at his contract and he didn't get enough of a shot last season. You could argue that's the case. Uh, we were very stubborn in our in, in just playing him in that sort of 10 role, where, which we didn't really need much of for much of the season. Uh, we should probably have tried him out on the wing, right? We needed a left winger for much of the season. Uh, or up front as a striker, even, where, where he has experience. We needed a striker for much of the season. Um, so our sort of inflexibility regarding him, he could have made us think about. He could have said, you know what? And he could have, I mean, on the other hand, he could have come back driven to succeed. But, you know, next best thing, honestly, is he had no hard feelings. I think he understood that we had high expectations for him and that it just didn't quite pan out, right? For one reason or another, right? Poorly timed injuries and all that, but... Um, so Alex Teixeira's gone, which, you know, there was that sort of mystery of like, where does he fit in? Is he now like the backup left wing? And it wouldn't really make sense. Nkuru, um, as such, remains the wing. We do also have Hasic and Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd technically would be the backup right wing, I suppose. Although he's obviously capable of playing on the left side as well. Uh, there's some talk of us maybe trying to convert him to left wing back or to wing back in general, maybe right wing back, I don't know, but uh, we've had success with that with Kenan Karaman, so who knows, you know, maybe that's the move. But so yeah, um, the, the hole to fill as, a, as things stand is at left wing. I don't think anyone feels comfortable with Nkudu as our starter there. Even if you like what he brings to the team and his talent or whatever it is, we can all agree that his uh, ability to come down with injuries makes it that you need at least a 1B to his 1A or vice versa. Probably vice versa, if you're going to be honest, because you want someone you can really rely on as your 1A. Now, it's important to note that with Alex Teixeira gone, Besiktas actually would have now one more slot for foreigner in the eight plus, you know, in the in the uh, the eleven that we're allowed to have initially, uh, which is in fact now fourteen plus three, which which are under twenty ones. So um, we have ten foreigners as things stand, which, and I, I mean, I guess I, I might as well go through the list of. Uh, of guys who sort of take up those slots of ours. Uh, and and uh, obviously it's a bit of like review. I don't I mean, I, you, all, you all know who's on the, in, in the side. But um, basically we have Saiz, Montero, and Wellington in, as defenders who are, who are taking up foreign slots. Rosier is another defender. So that's four guys. Joseph, Jedson, Atiba, that's seven. And then you have Gezal, Nkudu, and Boyd giving us 10 in total. And Hasic takes up one of the under 21 slots, one of those three. Right? 
So we have 10 foreigners, we have 14 free slots for foreigners. So there's no necessary, no, there's not like a huge need to, to let go of anyone else at this point. Um, with these four slots that we have available to us, plus the two under 21 slots, that should be plenty, one would assume. But so yeah, we need a left wing, probably to take up one of those foreigner slots. And we, uh, we need a central defender. And the central defender does not need to take up a, a foreign slot. In fact, should not. Because you need three Turks out there on the pitch at all times. Which means, you know, you've got someone on, on left wing back, whether that's Ridvan, and there's news there that the, the deal with Eintracht Frankfurt is off. They weren't giving us enough money in a, in a rapid enough way. Um, but so we've got either Ridvan or Umut on the, on the left side there. You've got Ersin in goal or Emre Bilgin. I mean, I'm assuming Ersin, but we do need to re-sign these guys and make sure they're not leaving on a free. So there's some question marks as, as far as those two guys go, but their backups would be Turks as well. And so what that means is the third position, right, we've got Roman Seiss is one central defender. You've got Wellington and Montero kind of competing for that second spot and then the third one should probably be a Turk you know occasionally we'll, we'll be starting Emirhan uh, Ilkan excuse me or just Emirhan I don't know why I'm doing all that but uh, but so occasionally he'll be starting in the midfield which would mean we could play all three foreign defenders if we wanted to but typically I think the third the third Turk is gonna be in as, in as a central defender. And so what that means is, right, we've got Serdar Saatchi, who obviously needs to be re-signed as well. We've been over that a few times. We've got Nejip, right, who's a sort of old, reliable, trustworthy dude. You might see him in a couple of derbies. He always manages to find a way, right? Uh, but beyond that, we didn't really have anyone. Um, we've been talking all summer about Koray Gunter, uh, Khan Ayhan, um, Cenk Uzkatar in the beginning of the window, that's been a while though, he may have become too pricey for us. Uh, recently, Trabzonspor has been linked with Khan Ayhan, something like four and a half million. Uh, so that's probably a little rich for our blood, considering all the money we've spent thus far. Um, worth noting, we've had to pay the almost five million for Rosier's buyout, right? We had to buy Jedson for six million, we've bought you know, um, well, we'll get into it. What else have we bought? Roman Seiss was a free, right? So that, that was a good deal, but let's talk about it. So three boxes that need to be checked here, right? Huge needs for us going into our first training camp. They promised they'd be ready for our first training camp. They lied, but only by a day, and here's why. Serjan Dikme dropped a number of dick bombs all over the place, you know, in, in this era of Woj bombs, and everyone who follows the NBA got got to have some fun with that in this last week. My Knicks improved, for example, free agency starting up there. But so here on the side of Besiktas, we have what are called dick bombs, thanks to Serjan Dikmen, pretty much the only man that can be trusted in Turkish football or in that sort of landscape. So. Excuse me, I'm gonna have to have a sip of water now. 
help build suspense. Because in what would be a day that all Besiktas fans will remember for a long time to come, probably. Just a torrent of great news. Unless, I guess, you're Murat Uzen, Serjan Dikme's competitor, the, the Shams Sharania of the scene here. Uh, although not with the win record. Shams has, has a few wins under his belt on occasion. Like draft night, he wins, typically, over Woj. Murat Uzen doesn't really win win out these, these on these occasions, certainly not anymore. Um, Serjan Dikme just dropped bombs left and right. Um, and I'm not going to give them to us in order, because <clears throat> we really ended the night with the best news, but that's where we're going to start things, because it was the most definitive. Um, arriving, you know, airport scenes and all, Besiktas scarf doing the, you know, the, the eagle pose. We had Vout Veghorst, long anticipated. Uh, many of us started to doubt whether it could even be done, just given how long it was taking. Here, sure enough, it's true. God, Veghorst has arrived. I think there's a seven and a half million buyout clause. I'm not sure exactly what that is. There is a buyout clause. However, Murat Uzen announced, so he's getting a little bit of news here, that if Burnley gets promoted back into the Premier League next season, our buyout clause is nixed, and I guess they're gonna wanna have him back to try to score goals in the Premier League. So. That would be sort of devastating, perhaps, right? If Veghorst finds his form again, has a great season with Besiktas, and then Burnley brings him back. And of course, he probably would have some success with Burnley the next time around, especially if he were to be able to find his footing with us. That said, it's not so easy to get promoted back into the Premier League right away. Um, there's a pretty decent chance Burnley won't, in fact and in which case we will be able to buy him out for seven and a half. I'm not sure if there's an obligation to buy. Lots of question marks, and hopefully what we'll do is have a Vout Veghorst episode. Um, I'll bother Khan about that. Uh, at the very least, I can interview that someone, however. So that's the biggest box that needed to be checked, and it has been checked. That is our 11th foreigner. Great still have three more spots if we need them so what does that leave us with right two more boxes big ones no doubt uh, and here the the dick bombs would keep dropping uh, and in fact this was where it started it turns out Jackson Muleka who had just about signed with Burnley it had seemed arrived for, for medical it was reported incorrectly in fact he'd returned to standard Liège and had his medical, which was reported as him having a medical with Burnley. So a bit of miscommunication has really broken the hearts of Burnley fans who seem to be highly anticipating Jackson Muleka coming to them, uh, but he held out. I mean, and some people speculate it was more just money, right? Supposedly Besiktas offered him a much larger salary, which he held out for. He kept posting images of himself in Istanbul and, and the like. He was really pushing for it himself. Well, so here, as we get the numbers in, it's quite interesting. So only three and a half million is what Besiktas is giving Standard Liège for him. His salary is 900,000, less than a million per year. Uh, so perhaps that was more than Burnley was offering, but like it's hard to imagine that being like a real sticking point for them. 
So it makes you think that there's something else that compelled Muleka to want to stay in Turkey uh, rather than go to England. Uh, another interesting point, signed for five years. So he's committed to this project of ours. Um, I perceive that as supreme confidence. I'm not gonna lie, you know, he, he was amazing for Kasim Pasha. In fact, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do, let's roll the tape. Um, during the Valerian Ismail era, it was largely positive stuff for me, for anyone who listened to this podcast. But there was one match in particular that, like going into it, I was low energy, and coming out of it, I was even more low energy. And let's just roll the tape, because here's, here's a little snippet of why. You're listening to the Black Eagles Podcast. And welcome back, everybody. This is, of course, episode 226 of the Black Eagles Podcast. And of course, I'm your host, Fred Sinan Schwartz, back again, live from New York City, where... Spring looks like it's here, but winter is just holding out. It's just not quite getting as warm as you'd hope for. Right? Metaphor always extends. The, the big, the, the, the hot story that was coming in last week was that we were looking at Jackson Muleka. And supposedly, we were looking at him, and so might have been Fennec, which would be typical. With that said, it's worth noting that he's a sort of failure at standards, which is why they kind of let him go for so little. <coughs> Kasim Pasha paid a nominal fee, 150000 or something, and there's a 3 million euro buyout clause on his contract. So, for all intents and purposes, he is a Kasim Pasha player. Now, that doesn't mean you couldn't, you know, they, they use the three million extensions we offer to pay more than that, right? To, to, to buy him off of Kasim Pasha. That always exists as a possibility. I don't know if anyone remembers, Kasim Pasha famously gave charity to rivals. Mametiam to Fenem. I forgot the favor they did to Galantis tonight, but then they never really uh, extended that to us. Whether they're going to give us Fode Koita for a cut rate deal, instead he goes to Trabzon. But anyway, what also flared up, you know, with the news that we were looking at Jackson Moleka, I did a bit of research, I watched his highlights, and yeah, let's just say I had a bad feeling about this one. I intentionally, like, was half doing some work in the background during this best match because I had a bad feeling. I really did. Additionally, I went on to say for Besiktas, that going into our match, they had won five of their last six matches, and they're looking good. And of course, Jackson Moleka was no small part of that. He had nine goals in nine matches. 
think he'd scored six in a row or something. So. And yeah, he watched the highlights. He's just sort of an engine, and he gets him to the right place. And he's just in, in a bit of form right now where, like, it just seems like any contact off of his boot, if he's in the box, you know, the ball's going to find that find the back of the net if it needs to. So, lots to be worried about going into this one, for sure. All of them playing behind 22-year-old Congolese striker Jackson Muleka. I've already said enough about this kid. Um, and you'll see why. So, let's dig into this match, I guess. And I continued with more of this stream of, at the time, what would be perceived of as probably negativity. Uh, but let's let's go back to the tape a little bit further. Bajic, Spahic. Uh, but yeah, so he heads it right into the path of Muleka, who, again, you know, just the, the right touch at the right time. Sends it past our keeper. Not much, not much Everson could have done with this one. Really got undone by good play from them. You know, sort of a well-constructed corner. And they seem to have some interesting set-piece construction, so that might have been, you know, part of their approach here. But that was a goal. 27th minute, they were down, nil to one. And you know, we've been the better side, no doubt about it, but all it takes is a set piece, right? And then the 82nd minute, or 81st, disaster strikes. Umut Merash, it's happened before, but this time, last time he had been fouled, I thought. This time, he just didn't do well with it. He gets the ball sort of nicked off him by Hayradinovic, who does well. A um, couple nice, smart dribbles to sort of evade the defense, and then send in a perfect cross to the path of Jackson Muleka. Stays on side, great discipline. Gets the ball pretty much one on one. Puts it where it needs to go. It's three to nil in the 81st, and they have iced it. This game is iced. We are done. It sucks. It really sucks. But Hyladinovic, man, he had a masterful match, no doubt. Obviously, Moleka too. Um, the highest rated players and the only good rated players were all Kasim Pasha players. Jackson Moleka the highest rated, then Udos Spahic. And so, as you can see, I was really high on this kid. He's only 23 years old. Um, had really just like half a bad year with Standard Liège, but has performed at a very high level. Um, there was some concern about his ability to play as, as a wing rather than as, as the man up front. Khan did a really great statistical analysis for us uh, in our group chat, which sort of broke it down and showed that he's had quite a bit of success playing uh, as that left wing alongside a striker. So. I mean, cheers to us. I think this could end up being low-key one of the best moves we've made here. Um, 23, signed to a five-year contract. Really excited to come back. Can't just be about the money because it's not like a huge salary, especially relative to other guys we have on our, on our team. So I think there's a lot to be excited about here. I think there's something unspoken that motivated his desire to come to Best Josh. When he comes and signs officially, uh, and we get our, our first interview, our first taste of, of 
his attitude and everything. I think we're going to probably hear some, some interesting takes from him. Uh, he has, it looks like, some sort of respect for the club or confidence that he's going to perform at a very high level with us. Certainly with Kasim Pasha, he was magical. Uh, and I've already shown you my takes from earlier this year, so you can feel confident that I'm not just saying that, you know, um, in retrospect. I was bummed by the, by the prospect that we probably couldn't get him. You know, it seemed impossible that Kazim Pasha wouldn't pull the trigger just because he was so good. So, boom, another box checked. Serjan Dikme confirming that one as well. Again, three and a half million, very small fee. Uh, 900,000 salary, very reasonable, over five years. Just fantastic. It's sort of backloaded, backloaded, so it, it, it rises incrementally over the five years, but it, it ends at like 1.2 million at, at the end of the contract. So it's like really reasonable stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I really feel like this could be the move that people, you know, everyone's sort of going to be focused on Veghorst, um, Jedson, right? Maybe even Roman Seiss, because I think he's going to be phenomenal for it. But like low key, Jackson Muleka might be like, I was joking, but you know, a bad cross from Rashid Ghazal will find Jackson Muleka firepost, theoretically, right? Like, um, you know, and Veghorst is a huge dude. So, it'll have to be a pretty bad cross for it not to be in his realm, in his zone. Uh, and then if it is, there will be Jackson Oleka with his energy and pace and his magical touch on occasion. And the thing about it is that like the success he had with Kazim Pasha was sort of so magical in a way that you're like, okay, he's not gonna be all, it's not gonna be like every shot he has, every volley is gonna be perfect the way it seemed to be with Kazim Pasha. But what, what's great about him are his physical attributes. I mean, think of Kyle Laren as far as his ability to get into positions, but without the ineptitude, with the ability technically to do things that Kyle Laren could never do. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this guy. Uh, and I don't think we're going to have a Jackson Muleka episode. He's, we, we've seen him play, right, in Turkey. Um, I've given you my, my own scouting reports on the guy previously, right? He's somewhat known to us. So definitely we will with Veghorst, uh, but probably not Muleka. And then so finally, for that third box, right, we need a Turkish central defender. And sure enough, the last dick bomb of the night, in fact, no, it was Veghorst, as I said, I sort of switched the order of thing. But for our purposes, Emre Can Uzunhan from Istanbul Sport, 21-year-old central defender, Phenomenal player, um, according to scouts. I can't say anything uh, personally, to be 100% honest. And this is going to be the question mark for me personally, as far as the box is being checked. But no matter what, we need depth, uh, Turkish depth, at that position. Um, there's talk of Montero, possibly. You know, Sevilla wanted to give us six million for him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't feel like we need to do that. I think again, we kind of need depth. At that position, we have these 14 foreigners left, so we might as well use them. So, as such, um, really what's, what's best for us is to, to further that depth with Turks, young Turks, ideally. And here we have this Emre Can Uzunhan. And what's great is that for 
about a week and a half, we've been sort of back and forth with Istanbul Sport. It kind of looked like it was falling apart. They were asking for more and more money. Last I saw, it was like three or three and a half, which, you know, is around, we're already approaching what uh, Abdul Karim Bardakshi was going, or went for in the end. And that's, that was too much already. Uh, and that's for something of a proven talent in Turkey. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think this was going to happen. There was even talk of an ask for five million at one point, I think. So, in the end, two million. Um, granted, 50% of the profit on this sale as well will go to Istanbul Sport. Uh, you know, on a resale, that is. Um, so, should we sell in the future? Which, given that he's only 21, could, could happen. Now, the thing about it is that he could as a young Turk, uh, and he's been signed to another five-year contract, which you love to see. Um, so that, that keeps him with us till he's 26, at the very least, on the one hand. Uh, and if he pans out, he could be a guy who spends his career with us. Or uh, if it really pans out and we, we can sell him for a ton of money, even on half of the profit, right? After the two million, which we'll, we'll cash back for what we paid for him to begin with, Half of that could be still a lot of money, or he it's, he doesn't really pan out in the long run, and they're getting half of a bag of chips, you know. So it's it's okay. I don't mind these these percentage deals. Fifty percent is a lot, obviously. That's that'll be something criticized, but to bring it down to two million as a fee for for for, for a Turk, a young Turk, <laughs> um, which as we know, you know, clubs like to gouge us. You know, and make us overpaid like crazy for these kids. So it's a great deal in, in that sense. And, and obviously the, the flip back was the, the transfer fee, which suggests confidence on the part of Istanbul Sport that they will get much more than that um, when that eventual transfer is made, right? They must assume that that's somewhat inevitable. So fantastic news. Emre Can Uzunhan is added to our depth, right? We've got Saiz as central defender number one, Montero and Wellington sort of competing for number two. Um, Serdar Sachi, there's some pressure on us there. Can we keep him? It's not a guaranteed thing, um, right? Like he'd have to resign. This would be the last year of his contract. And Ahmed Nurchebi said, if he's not going to resign, we're going to let him go. We're not. We're going to try to make money, and we're not going to keep losing money on guys, which. I think you got to put your foot down. We have, we have such difficulty selling guys, getting any sort of resale value ever. Um, we've paid a good bit of money now for the, our transfers here. Uh, so, I think close to 16 million or something like that. And we have not earned a dime in return for any player. We've not sold a single player. Um, of course, that could change rather quickly, right? Ridvan is a guy that a number of clubs are circling for. In theory, we'll see how that goes. No, I don't know. I don't know. Like that, a part of me almost feels like selling Montero for six million to Sevilla, even though, right, uh, Atletico Madrid will get a cut of that. I don't remember exactly what the percentage was, but you know, just to say, hey, look, we can sell guys and to sort of like start good habits. But with that said, Montero could still be a very valuable player for us, and. You know, on his current trajectory, I think his value could increase beyond the six mil that, that Sevilla is currently trying to give us. So if we're holding out for more, I, I dig it. Otherwise, I don't think there's a real need for us to do that. 
But yeah, just an absolutely huge day for Besiktas. As far as uh, tick bombs galore, dropping them left and right. Uh, additionally, this is sort of new too, uh, at least as far as since the last episode. Atiba Hutchinson has extended for another year a very team-friendly offer based on uh, how many games he plays, I think. So, like, I think he's paid by match appearance, which is insane. Uh, he keeps helping the club out. Uh, additionally, this is new since the last episode. Jenk Tosun. I mean, it's sort of old news already, and, and it, it wasn't enough for me to do an episode about it in and of itself, I thought. It's great news. It's, it's excellent insurance, and I think he could be a sort of low-key valuable contributor as our backup striker. We certainly needed one, and having a Turk, and a guy who's hungry to perform and, and sort of refine his footing in, in, in general as a footballer, there's nothing negative about this move either. He didn't ask for a ton of money, but, uh, which, but I, I'm not going to find out what we're paying him, honestly. It's not that important as far as I'm concerned. Um, because it, it's a position of need, and, and it gives us really valuable insurance. Um, we you know, could bring up Semi as our third striker from the academy. That could be great. We could bring in Tiago Chukur, we could re-sign Guven Yalchin. He's not so young, he's only 24, so that might not be really the move, but with Veghorst and Jenk Tosin, we have two strikers, we have a starter and a backup. And then what's great about Jackson Uleka is in a pinch, he could be slid back in, right? We have Nkuru, uh, Boyd, Hasit. We have options on that left side. Um, we're supposedly looking at Harun, Harun Bingle next of Alanya Spor. Um, again, more of a sort of left wing back. I think that suggests we're still trying to sell it. Um, he can also play on the wing, however, on the left side. So, um, yeah, you know, options, fun things, still to be paying attention for, looking out for. But, like, really, I think those were the three big boxes we needed checked. Clearly, if Ridvan goes, we'll have to add another box uh, as far as a left wing back. Um, and it's not going to be easy to find a young Turk. Uh, I think Umut will be the starter and we'll look for something along the lines of an Emrejan Uzunhan. Um, you know, but as a left wing, as a left wing back. Um, I don't know if Harun Bingol is truly the answer, he's 29. Could be in a pinch, right? Again, as, as, as depth for Umut Merash, who, again, for me, is, is good enough to play. Obviously, keeping Ridvan would be kind of ideal, re-signing him giving him another year to shine and then maybe get even more for him next season than, than Eintracht Frankfurt we're trying to sort of lowball us with. But So yeah, some question marks still. Left wing back might become an issue. Uh, we need to re-sign Ersin, Serdar Sachi, potentially Didvan um, and extend them so that we can at the very least securely play them this season and look to, to sell them next season. Sure, a lot of them, that's their hesitation, right? They want to make sure they can go to Europe. And I think like this whole thing with Ridvan will will add some doubts, but it shouldn't, right? On the other hand, it shows Bezitesh was very willing to sort of come through and offer them to sides in Europe and give them the opportunity to go. Uh, and in fact, it was just Eintracht Frankfurt offering too little, playing games with it. So, I mean, there's, you know, two sides to that. But yeah, what, what, what's important here is that 
we don't really need to worry too much about what 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 comes next, right? We have now Najib, Emirajan, Uzunhan, uh, potentially Serdar Saatchi, right? Three guys vying for that um, Turkish central defender role. We could again, right? Like if we're really feeling spiffy, right? There's talk of us looking at Okay. Yokushlu. Part of me feels like that's really Galatasaray and, and they're making it seem like they're going to beat us to him by pumping up stories of us trying to get him to. Because look, we don't really have a need, frankly, right? We have a lot of guys in the center of our midfield. We have Jedson and Joseph sort of tagged in as starters now. We have Emirhan and Atiba as clear backups. We have Kartal, Kaida Gilmaz coming in, coming back. He seems to be hungry to want to prove himself as, as worthy of playing for us. Of course, there's always Nejib. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't... Berkay Vardai, I think, is actually a defensive midfielder. He featured as a central defender for us this season, but I think that was in a pinch. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, there's not a huge need for Okai Yokushalu. On the other hand, right, we've shown the need for depth. Uh, guys going down into injuries in, in massive numbers in the past. So, like, perhaps... The lesson learned from last season is to focus less on the starting 11 and more on building out a, a healthy, deep squad. Uh, but so far, so good, honestly, right? Like, we, we, we went from zero strikers to two strikers just in time for camp. Veghorst and Jenk. Neither of them young, but both of them good. With Jackson Muleka as insurance for, for them, and he is fairly young. Um, yeah, I mean, just great news, honestly. And we'll see. We'll see if Emre, Emre Can Uzunhan is our answer as, as the Turkish central defender. If, if Serdar Saatchi can step up, perhaps. Uh, starting by re-signing, stepping up to the table. Signing his name on the dotted line, right? But anyway, all around, just fantastic stuff. Hopefully next up we'll have a Veghorst episode. I can get Khan on that. Um, but certainly there will be other things to discuss regardless maybe a guest host or something of that nature have a little discussion we will have football to talk about by the next episode uh, which is exciting I, I hope that our matches will be aired um, usually there's something that can be done about that uh, we do have stuff up on our youtube channel on occasion we have in the past so at the very least you hope that something like that will be available for us Again, the match will be Saturday, July 9th, <coughs> excuse me, 10 a.m. here locally in New York City. Do check your local listings, as always. Um, one has to think, uh, you know, assume that we're going to have a bit of a rough patch initially where guys are getting used to playing together, but who knows, you know, it's friendlies, perhaps it'll be the same for our opposition. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited, honestly, uh, to, to get back to watching our team play a little football. Um, Emirhan Ilkan, you know, I hope he gets he gets some time in the preseason. I hope he gets a chance to really contribute this year. He's the kind of exciting piece that we developed most of all last season. Um, yeah, I mean, lots of fun question marks. Uh, great timing by Jehun Kazanji, I think, for his critics. They've had a rough day today explaining their negativity. But I'm sure they'll be given plenty of cause to be negative throughout the season. That is always the case, uh, one way or another, even in our best of time. 
But yeah, so far so good. Great team put together on paper. Um, you know, we've maintained much of the sort of peripheral players from last season, so we actually have some depth. And with this foreign rule being worked fairly well by us, um, you know, we can even keep some of the guys who we haven't been able to in the past for depth, um, right? Like guys like Tyler Boyd, who could contribute. You know, we've needed we've needed guys on either flank throughout this last season and not had anyone there. So, you know, perhaps this is the year we finally did things right. We planned properly. We got our guys in early in the summer. They'll have a full training camp. You know, credit to, there was none of this like, oh, you know, we wanted this player, but the coach wasn't interested. And so, you know, it, it really feels like Valerian Ismail gave a very clear plan for what he wanted, like very clear outlook for the types of players he wanted. Uh, and Jehun Kazanji just went out and got him. And here we are, uh, before our first friendly, potentially getting to see, at the very least, 10 out of 11 of our starters this year. Uh, and probably 11, honestly. Like I said, it's not very likely that we'll be able to make an upgrade. These, like, in, like, in the way of, like, a Kodai Gunter or Khan Ihan. Not at this point, just because of uh, how much we've spent and how, you know, little we've brought back. Uh, by little, I mean zero, right? As little as you can get. Um, so yeah, I mean, a great window so far. One issue as far as uh, central defender, but we even have depth at that sort of tricky spot. <coughs> we have backups for the foreigners, vis-a-vis -vis Wellington or Montero, and we have backups for the Turks, vis-a-vis -vis Nejip and potentially, at the very least, Serdar Sachi in his final season. Uh, again, he needs to be resigned though. Uh, so that I mean that that's really the, the what's been lacking is action on the resigning front. We we did resign Emre Bilgin and Emirhan Ilkan, which are the two probably the most important names. But now we got to make sure we get these this sort of older crop of guys that uh, we need to resign so that we can make sure at the very least we make some money on the resale. So that's it for this episode. Stay tuned for more. As always, we will be back with. More news, I suspect. As always, follow myself on Twitter at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Follow us uh, at Eagles underscore podcast as well. Um, follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles Podcast, one word. And yeah, I mean, what else can I say other than go let's go, Brushing Tosh! We really have a fun summer ahead of us. At least on paper. <laughs> Peace out, everyone. Let's hope for the best. We've, we've had a good side on paper before, right? Uh, but I don't know. This time, it looks like it's the right squad. And it's, it's deeper, right? Depth was an issue last time. That's been it for us. So, cheers, Jehun Kazanji. Peace out, everyone. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.